Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. Starting this brand new series today. Welcome. You're here at a good day because it's the first message of a new series called beautiful attitudes as opposed to having a bad attitude, right? How many of you have, have, uh, have come into contact with people recently that, that need this message? They've got a bad attitude, and, and I think that all of us can have bad attitudes from time to time. Certainly, I can. And, um, and, you know, I kind of did a play off of words here. This whole series, I don't know if it's going to be seven parts or eight parts or ten parts. I have no idea at this point. But this whole series is based off of the Beatitudes, which is found in Matthews chapter 5, 6, and 7. I really encourage you to study those as we move into this new series. This is a great place to spend some time because this is... The absolute best sermon that has ever been preached in, the, in, in, in all of history. Not me preaching, but Jesus is the one that preached the, the Sermon on the Mount, which is what you're going to find in the, in the Beatitudes. How many of you know that nobody can, can, can hold a candle to what Jesus said? So listen, if you were wanting to know what it is that Jesus was going to preach about today, read Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Because, um, once again, that's the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to do our best to unpack this, but we certainly will not come close to the good job that Jesus, of course, did when he spoke it for the first time. And so, an attitude. We're talking about beautiful attitudes. An attitude is, is something that is birthed in the heart. It's a way of thinking that is birthed in the heart, but it doesn't just remain in the heart, it actually comes out and we take action on those, those feelings, those thoughts that were birthed in our hearts, okay? And so this is why, you know, you can actually see that somebody's got a bad attitude even by the way that they may be standing, you know what I mean? Or their facial expressions. Like, like sometimes we think, that just because they're not saying bad things that they don't have a bad attitude. But how many of you have ever been able to read body language and you're like, man, something's just off with that person. I'm going to keep my distance. I'm going to remove myself and, until, until I see that they have had an attitude adjustment. And so, so historically, I want us to also realize that whenever we have been off course as a people of God, right, the gospel is the very thing that changes the heart of a man. And so what we need is we need a revival in the area of the gospel. I'm not talking about half of us or some of us um, getting back into God's word, but my prayer during this series is that every single person, every single family is going to fall in love with the word of God once again. Come on, not to prepare something to share at a small group, you know, not to, not to just have head knowledge so that you, can, that you can appear to be smart when you're talking about, you know, God with your friends, but literally a desire to spend God, time in God's word just because you want to cultivate intimacy with him. Not to achieve something other than just building great, great relationship with him. And I'm telling you this, that if our church can be that church, 
then I'm telling you, this whole community is going to be changed and transformed. Because, because you're going to have to share the good things that God is revealing to you in and through his word with others. So let's take a look at Matthew chapter 5. Go ahead and turn your Bibles there. I'm reading this out of the New International Version. Some people say the nearly inspired version, but I think it's very inspired. And so that was funny. Matthew 5 and verse 1 says this. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and he sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. How many of you know we need a little bit more mercy in the world today? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil things against you because of me, Jesus said. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So listen, sometimes when we, when we read these Beatitudes, we oftentimes read them like a buffet, you know, we oftentimes read the Beatitudes like we read about the nine spiritual gifts. It's like, uh, well, I kind of like this one here. Oh, this one's definitely me. I've got this one here. I wouldn't even want this one here for nothing. You know, I just, I'm going to pass on, on that beautiful attitude. But I'm just telling you this, that if you are a Christ follower, it's very, very possible that you will experience all of these in your lifetime. If you are living and doing what it is that God is, is calling you to do, and you're standing up and being counted, come on, and being faithful in Jesus, then every single one of these, um, it's likely that you will, they will happen to you, and you should rejoice when they do. So, once again, my prayer throughout this series is that something is birthed, somebody say birthed, in my heart in your heart, and it causes us to take action. Come on, let us not be hearers of the word only, but doers of the word, right? This word is not gonna do anything if it's just for you to be puffed up and, and, and sound smart, right? You've got to act upon it. You've got to act upon it. And I'm just saying this, that God has better for us. God has greater for us, and it's by his spirit that we're going to that we're going to be able to move and breathe and and operate in these ways. So the word blessed in this word, it's a Greek word that actually means happy. Somebody say happy. So this shows where true happiness comes from. Happiness from a worldview is based off of the things that happen to us. So when we have good things happen to us, then we're happy, right? When we have bad things happen to us, we're not so happy. When you've got a lot of money in your wallet, in your pocket, in your purse, whatever it is that you're calling and, and carrying these days, you're happy. But when you have no money in your wallet, your purse, or your pocket, 
then we're not so happy. And so a worldview of happiness is based upon happenings. But a biblical view of happiness is, is actually the word blessed. It means happy, and it's the, it's the word, the Greek word makarios, which means not from having a lot of things, but a joy that comes that the world cannot give. Let me just tell you this. If your happiness is based off of circumstances, then when your circumstances shift and change, then your happiness goes away. But if your happiness, if your joy is based off of a relationship with God, then it doesn't matter what circumstances take place in your life. You can still have the joy of the Lord. You can still have happiness. Amen? And so when circumstances don't give you joy, then circumstances can't take it away. And then it says, so it says blessed, and then it says blessed is, and it gives the description, and then it says for theirs is, and when it says for theirs is, this is the potential of what can be yours. This is the potential of what can happen in your own personal life. Blessed is, gives the description, and then for theirs is, it, it identifies the potential of what God can do in your life. So what is the gospel? The gospel is this, that Jesus Christ came. He was perfect without sin. He was the fullness of God manifest in the flesh, born of, of a virgin, gave his life um, to serving people, died on a cross. He laid his life down. No man took his life that anybody who would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting right life, right? And so that's what the gospel message is. But I'm telling you this, that the gospel message is so much more than that. The gospel message is not just for, you know, eternity in heaven, but the gospel message is for us today. He came to heal your pain. We just sang songs about that, right? He came to deliver your children, right? He came to set you free. He came to fill your heart with love. Some of you, when you were, when you were a children, when you were young, you had love for everybody. It, this was my life. I had love for everybody. I would rather hurt than see. This is when I was a child. I would rather hurt myself than to see somebody that I loved hurting, it hurt me more to see somebody else in pain than to actually experience the pain myself. And then I started growing up and I became selfish and da 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 da. My heart became hard and I didn't care about people anymore. And the most beautiful thing that happened when I gave my heart to Jesus Christ is he gave me the ability, he softened my heart and he gave me the ability, among all things, this was the most beautiful thing, he gave me the ability to love and appreciate and care for people again. And it's amazing. It's amazing. I tell you what, if you live in a selfish life, I feel sorry for you because I have been there. And it is the most ugly, unsatisfied place that a person can live. And, and I, I will pray for you if that is you. But he wants to set us free. And so today we're going to talk about the first beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. This doesn't, this doesn't, this isn't something that creates a great deal of excitement. We don't even like the word poor in anything. What is blessed are the poor in spirit? What does that mean? Matthew 5, 3 says it like this. I'm going to read it out of the NIV first and then the NLT, the New Living Translation. But it says, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So the Greek word for poor, it, there's two definitions for it. Number one is you don't have enough. Has anybody ever been poor? 
You just don't have enough. You don't have enough to, you don't have enough to make ends meet. There's more month than there is money. And then there's a second definition, and this is that you have nothing at all. You are completely destitute. And this, my friend, is the word, the definition that it's talking about. Blessed are the poor in spirit. That you have absolutely nothing to bring to the table. You are absolutely 100% destitute. The NLT version says it best. Blessed is the person who realizes. Somebody say realizes. They are completely destitute, utterly helpless. One who realizes their absolute need for God. You know what the problem is, though? Is most people in the United States have no idea just how poor they are. They have no idea. And I'm telling you, one of the things that is creeping in and is a real problem for the church today is we settle for better. We say things like, well, I'm not like I used to be. And so therefore, there's a little bit of pride that creeps in. Man, look how far I have come. I don't drink, don't smoke. What do you do? I don't drink, don't smoke. What do you do? Stray cats, right? Is that stray cats? Yeah. I'm not that guy anymore. Look at me now. Look at me now. Wow. I'm telling you that blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall inherit the kingdom of heaven. You have absolutely nothing to offer God. You have nothing. You are the most poor of poor people, completely destitute. When you have a lot, as we all have a lot, you are some of the most wealthy people on the place, on the, on the, on the entirety of the planet. When you have a lot, it's hard to imagine not having a lot. Seldom do we ever go without. In fact, it becomes more about choices. Boy, you know, I'm a little tight on the budget, and so I'm going to have to do, I'm going to have to do, you know, a top sirloin instead of a filet mignon. You know, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to do, you know, a hamburger instead of a steak. When there are there are multiple places around the world that, that, that it is, it's, you know, they're relying on plant-based protein instead of good old, good old real protein like beef and chicken, right? 99% of the world right now would love to change places with you on your worst day, on your worst month, when you have the least because even in your little, you are so much wealthier than the 90, probably 9% of the world. Desperation causes dependence. Have you ever been desperate before? Come on, have you ever been at the bedside of somebody that you love that is getting ready to pass and you're not ready for them to pass? Have you ever been diagnosed with a sickness that causes a fear because the sickness could very well take your, take your life? Come on, I remember 9-11 like it was yesterday. 9-11 happened on a Tuesday. And that following Sunday, church houses all over the world were filled up. Come on, sometimes to standing room only. Why? Because people were absolutely desperate. What are we going to do? 
They were dealing with something that they didn't themselves have the answer for. And so what happens? It drives people to their knees. It drives people to a place of desperation saying, God, we absolutely need you. What is happening? I can't handle what is happening. And so our churches are filled the Sunday following the Tuesday that 9-11 happened. And that happened for probably a few weeks and then people got comfortable again and got back to their, their own lives. But desperation causes dependence. And you know that there was a lot of desperations when you have both Republicans and Democrats arm in arm saying, we need Jesus. We need something more than the politics that we've been trying to shuffle onto people and jockeying for position. I'm just telling you that you know that there's some great desperation there. Happiness is not found in the stuff that you own. In fact, the stuff that you own is, is, is oftentimes the very thing that gets in the way of your happiness. This is why every single person should go on a missions trip to a third world country. I honestly believe that every person should at one time go on a mission ship to a, a third world country and see how other people live that have so much less than you. See how people live that don't even have running water. They've got a, they've got a hike with, with what we would call gas tanks, gasoline tanks. Miles packing water back to their house so that they can that they can cook and they can wash their clothes and, and things like that. But this is the other thing that you're going to see is you're going to say, you're going to say, how in the world can these people that have absolutely nothing, how in the world can they be happier than me? They don't have the stuff that I have. They have a whole lot more than your stuff can offer a dependence and a reliance upon Jesus Christ. Some people don't know where their next meal is going to come from. They depend on Jesus, and guess what? Their meal comes. And then they don't know where their next meal is going to come from, and they depend on Jesus. This is why every single person should experience going to a third world country and seeing how people live, seeing how people worship. You will see worship unlike you've ever seen here in the United States because of the love and appreciation for a God that hasn't given them a bunch of stuff, but has given them, come on, his life, and, and, and that connects with them. Amen? I want to challenge you, or, or the biggest challenge that I have is teaching people how, come on, have you ever tried to buy a gift for somebody that already has everything? I've got, I've got a, uh, uh, my father-in-law. It's, it's very difficult to, to buy a gift for him because they've got everything that they, they just got everything. They got everything. How you get somebody that's got everything? They don't need anything. They really don't want anything because they already got everything. Makes it difficult. Makes it hard. So how do you do that? This is the same way. How in the world, and it's challenging, how do we teach people that have everything how to be poor in spirit? The truth is, is you think you have a lot, but you really don't have anything. And that's the only way that I can say it. You don't have as much as you think you have. You are helpless and you are bankrupt whenever it comes to spiritual things. The only thing that you have to give to Jesus is your heart. He's, he's, he's not, he's, he, he doesn't sit back and, and, and he, he, he's not, um, he's not wowed or wooed by, 
by even our attendance and coming to church. He's not wowed or wooed even by, even by you know what I mean, our, our service. And sometimes what we can do is we can think that, man, the money that I put in the plate and the things that I do for the Lord, somehow this qualifies me more than the guy that doesn't do anything. Now, should you be doing things and should you be using your life to make a difference? Absolutely. But I'm telling you to be warned Don't allow pride to get in your life because you're not the way that you used to be. And look how far you've come. Look at me now, baby. You are still completely bankrupt. The only reason why you have breath in your lungs today is because Jesus has given you breath in your lungs today. We think we're pretty smart because we're able to gather Read the, read the story about the guy that had so much. He was like, what are you going to do with all that? I'm going to build bigger barns. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do greater things. I'm going to store this stuff up. And, and, and he, this was what was said of him. You are a fool for tonight. Your life is going to be taken from you. That's what you're going to do with all the blessing that I've got. I'm going to build bigger barns. And I'm just going to, you know what I mean? I'm going to live my life. Eat and drink. He's not, he's not, he's not there's a word that I'm looking for. It's just not coming to me. But he's not wowed by, by just how smart you are and how well you're supposed, you know, you do business and, 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 and how much you're able to gather. You know what I mean? He's not, what's the word? Impressed. Impressed. That's the word. You guys let me struggle that whole time. <laughs> it was like right, it was right there. It was right there. I can't believe you left me out there for that long. You all had it. I'm like, what's the word? Impressed. That's the word. Revelation is the last book of the Bible. It's the only prophetic book in the New Testament. And uh, John, the revelator, had a vision of the end times. I believe that we are absolutely in the end times. The first three chapters of Revelation... Jesus is present. And then in Revelation chapter 2 and Revelation chapter 3, Jesus is speaking a message to seven churches, um, which, are, which are, are seven messages to the modern day church. And this is dealing, of course, with the end times. But Revelation chapter 3 and verse 15 is where I'd like you to go. This is what it says. I know your deeds that you are neither cold nor hot. Somebody say cold or hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So he's, he's saying, be all the way, one way. Just choose. If you're going to be cold, be cold. If you're going to be hot, be hot. So because you are lukewarm, he said. This is to the, I believe this one's to the church at Laodicea. But because you're lukewarm, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. And, and this is what we quote a lot. He doesn't want us to be lukewarm. And if we are lukewarm, he's going to speak. So we quote this scripture. I doubt you have this scripture on your refrigerator, but we quote this scripture a lot. So he said, if you're lukewarm, I'm going to spew you. The King James says, spew you out of my mouth. The NIV says, spit you out of my mouth. And, um, and then it goes on to say, and we don't read this, but it says that you say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth, and I don't need a thing. But Jesus is the one that says this. He says, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. And my prayer is is that you will recognize right now just how 
pitiful, poor, blind and naked and wretched that you are. You're like, man, I'm glad I came to church this morning. But I am telling you, you are doing yourself no favors by thinking that you are something. You are something because he is something and he loves you. He absolutely loves you. You are valuable, but your value is in him. Amen. You need him and we need to be a desperate people, thankful to God every single day for breath in our lungs. Why? So that we can honor him, serve him, glorify him. Amen. In the way that we live, in the way that we move, in the way that we breathe. So my prayer is that we would understand that. And it's at that place that you are going to live the blessed life. Number one, I got four points with you. Stick with me. We're going to go through them rather quickly. Number one, without Jesus, I pay for my own sin. Without Jesus, I pay for my own sin. So once again, serving in the church, going on a mission, giving lots of money in the plate, it is not going to pay for your sin. What's the word again? Impressed. He's not impressed with it. I'd already forgotten it again. He is not impressed with it. Are those things important? Absolutely, because it comes out of a place of the heart. But if you think by doing these things that somehow you're, you're going up the ladder, you're adding to what Christ has already done, you, are, you have missed it. You have absolutely missed it. And if you think that just because you've walked with God for a period of time that pride can't creep in and, and whatnot, you also have missed it. I'm telling you, we need, to be, we need to judge our actions often and, and ask ourselves, what is the motivation as to why I am doing what I'm doing? Amen? All right. So our sins can only be forgiven when they're paid for. Romans 3.23, the Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says this, for the wages of sin is death. And so the only way that you can pay for Sin is through death. And thank God for the cross of Jesus Christ that gave his life. He died on a cross to pay for your sins. Come on, as you repent of them, ask you, you, you find yourself in Christ and Christ in you. So death is the only payment that is accepted. Not I'll try harder, I'll do better tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna give more money in the offering plate because of the sin that I, no, it has to be paid by death. Okay, so in Jesus, the answer is in Jesus, I'm saved and forgiven. He is the one that has paid my sin debt. I want you to know that hell is not for you. But there's unfortunately, there's going to be a lot of people that deny the Lord. They don't want to have anything to do with the Lord. They don't accept the gift of salvation because they want to serve themselves. They are the God of their own life. I'm gonna do what I want, when I want, how I want. I'm not gonna serve Jesus, that's for a bunch of weak-minded people. And I'm telling you that hell was not created for you, but there are going to be people that go there and it breaks God's heart. And, and we struggle with this. In fact, there are pastors that won't even talk about hell anymore, you know why? Because how in the world can an all-loving God, you know what I'm saying? Send, send people, you know, have eternal judgment. And it's because he's all loving. He has paid the price to anybody and everybody. C.S. Lewis said it like this. There are only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, thy will be done. And those whom God says in the end, thy will be done. 
So listen, if you want to deny God, all, and he is constantly, continually reaching out, trying to show himself, show his love, bring you to a place of repentance. He's constantly reaching to you, but you shut him out, you shut him out, you shut him out. What you're saying is, is that I choose to die for my sin. I choose to pay the death penalty for my own sin. I don't need you, Jesus. And so he says, fine, that's fine. That's totally fine. I don't want you to go there, but you're choosing to go to hell. And I'm telling you, we need to quit redefining hell by, by what is comfortable. And you need to literally read your Bible and see what the Bible itself says about hell. I'm so tired of, of, of people you know, trying to trying to, let's just be comfortable and let's not talk about the truth. If you wanna know about hell, read your Bible. Just do a, just do a word search on hell or Hades or, or some, there's several other words, but it's mentioned 160 times in the Bible. 160 times hell is mentioned. And, and I'm telling you, if you'll read those 160 times, you will have somewhat of an idea of what this place called hell is gonna be like. And I can promise you this, you're not gonna wanna have any part to do with it. And Jesus doesn't want you to have any part with it as well. Thank God in Jesus I'm saved and I'm forgiven and he's paid my sin debt. Number two is this, without Jesus I can only hope to survive my pain. Survive my pain. You know, it is what it is. It's, you know, it's always gonna be this way. My grandpa was an alcoholic. My dad was an alcoholic. I'm an alcoholic. You know, it just is what it is. This is my lot in life. No. Man, I'm telling you that you just don't have to hope to survive your pain. Jeremiah 6.14, this is the prophet Jeremiah, he prophesied this, that there are people that offer superficial treatments for my people's mortal wounds. They give assurance of peace when there is no peace. How would you like to go to a doctor and, and, and you, have, you have a tumor, you know what I'm saying, in your, in your body, and you go to a doctor and the doctor sees the tumor, but he tells you he doesn't want to upset you. And he tells you, he gives you, some, he gives you some peppermint oil. And he says, hey, listen, this is what I want you to know. I'm, I don't mean to step on any people's feet that love pepper, peppermint oil. But, but he says, listen, I just want you to rub this on your, on, just on your temples about three times a day. And, and you're going to just be okay. Right? A superficial treatment. They're saying, this is peace, peace, peace when there is no peace. I'm telling you what, that Jesus has peace. Come on, he, he, he not only wants to deal with your life, but he wants to deal with your eternal life, amen? So who am I without Jesus? I'm talking about Travis Turner here. I'm the most selfish person I've ever met. I'm an addict without Jesus. Am I addicted to anything? I'm addicted to Jesus, but I'm, am I an addict of anything in Jesus? Absolutely not. I am not a slave to sin. But without Jesus, I'm, I'm an addict, man. There, I, I can get caught up. And if you don't believe me, just ask my wife, man. I can get caught up in everything that's bad for me. That's why she's so amazing. She stuck by me when I was addicted to all the wrong things. And guess what? That addiction comes from a place of insecurity. So I'm the most insecure person that I've ever met. And then, and then I, I get caught up, you know, drinking and things like that. And then guess what? I, I become angry. And when I get angry, 
without Jesus, I'm the most angry person that I know. Some of you out there, you might like, I could probably give you a run for your money. But I'm saying that this is who your pastor is without Jesus Christ. But with Jesus, man, I'm changed and set free and transformed. Amen. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. So your prayer needs to be, God, don't let Pastor Travis ever lose you. That's what your prayer needs to be, because we're all in a mess then. Psalms chapter 103 says this, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. He forgives all of your iniquity. Do you know what iniquity is? Iniquity is immoral behaviors. I'm like, I'll raise my hand to that. He forgives all my iniquities, all of my immoral behaviors. I'll take, I'll take two of those. I'll take two. He heals all of your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. I know what the pit's about. I've lived in the pit. Thank you, God, for pulling me out of the pit and putting my feet on the rock, Christ Jesus. See, some of y'all, I feel sorry for you because you've never really been in a very deep pit. Guys like me, I am grateful and thankful. And I'm thankful for you if you've never been in a pit. But I'm just telling you, there is a benefit to the guy and the woman that has spent time in a deep, deep, dark dungeon of a pit. You know what that benefit is? I know just how bad I am. There are so many people in the world today that just don't know how desperate they are for Jesus. They think, you know what, I'm all right. And if you don't believe me, just ask people, are you a good person or are you a bad person? I'm a good person. I'm a good person. I'm a good person. I'm a good person. Let me be the first to tell you, I am a terrible person without Jesus Christ. I have absolutely nothing to offer anybody without Jesus Christ. Nothing. And there are people that really feel that they have something to offer without Jesus, and they are clueless. They, are they have nothing to offer. They are completely destitute, but in their minds they feel like they are something. So, he redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with love and mercy. So listen, God can heal your condition. If you've got years of fears, he can heal that. If you've got panic and anxiety, somebody say, he can heal that. If you're overwhelmed with worry, he can heal that. You guys are, you gotta get on the same page. He can heal that. Let me say that again. If you're overwhelmed with worry, if you got stress that's high, if you got sleep that's weak, if you've got insecurities, if you've got a hard heart, amen. I love that. That was really good. That was really good. Number three is this, and we only got four. We're getting real close. Number three, number three is this. Without Jesus, I create purpose and meaning for my own life. I'm the one that creates the purpose and meaning for my life. What is my life about? Do you know there are people that in their life in and through suicide because they cannot answer this question. Or they pursue what they think that life is about only to acquire what it is that they've pursued and realize that it's just empty. It wasn't what they thought it was gonna be. And so they, they, they call it quits on life. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, and this is a refrigerator verse. Jeremiah 29, 11, I'm not even going to read the whole thing. For I know the plans I have, the thoughts I have towards you, says the Lord. For I know, 
See, we're looking for, for our purpose and our meaning, you know, through what everybody else is saying. But God is saying, for I know the plans and the thoughts that I have for you, declares the Lord. So how about we go to the creator, come on, that has put destiny and purpose in our hearts to figure out what this life is about. So we've been searching in all the wrong places when God is the only one that knows. So in Jesus, I can know who I am and what my life is about. See, God places a sense of purpose on the inside of every single one of us that draws us to him, to where we are we're pursuing him to find out, God, what is my purpose? Why was I created? The Bible says in Acts, this is so powerful, 17, verse 26, from one man he made all nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. Somebody say whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. And so you need to know, before the first year was ever complete, God knew that you were going to be here at this time. And guess what? He knew where you were going to be at this time. Rupert, Idaho, or Paul, Idaho, or Burley, Idaho, or some people from Twin Falls, Idaho, or wherever it is that you come from, Albion, Idaho. But God knew that you were going to be at Paul, Idaho, right? God knew that you were going to be here for this appointed time. And it goes on to say, God did this so that they would seek him, so that we would seek him and reach out for him though he is not far from any one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. I'm going to go ahead and skip that. I'm going to skip that. Number four. Are you ready for number four? Number four is this. Without Jesus, I live life chasing temporary joys. We chase endorphins. For me, it was, uh, it was parties. For me, it was relationships. I always thought I was going to find something that I needed in somebody else. You know, for, for, for a lot of people, it's money. Boy, if I can just, if I can make enough money and, you know, to buy this house and, and mingle with these people or buy this vehicle so that, you know, so that people will say, wow, that guy really, he really, he really made it. You know what I mean? Whatever making it is, I can tell you that making it is not all that it's cracked up to be or else we wouldn't have people that have made it, you know, deal with so much depression and, and, and suicidal, you know, tendencies. There's a, there's a word, it's, a, it's actually a, a, a part of depression. Uh, it's the word anhedonia. And anhedonia means when things that used to bring us pleasure do not bring us pleasure any longer. Anhedonia. And so we, we're always chasing something, the next thing, you know, um, you know, it could be golf one year and then, and then, you know, it's, 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 you know, having the nicest bass boat the next year. It's, 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 it's living in the right neighborhood, or maybe even some people having, you know, the right wife or the right husband, always chasing something, but it's never enough. It doesn't bring the pleasure anymore. So that's what happens with, without Jesus. But with Jesus, I walk in joy. I walk in purpose and fulfillment. I want you to know this, that the joyful life is the life that impacts others. I did a service, a wonderful service on Friday for uh, a, a, an amazing man that I wish I would have had the opportunity to know and to meet. But visiting with his family and, um, and all of the people that knew him, even before service, had a conversation with a gentleman um, that knew Randy Sutton very, very well. And... Um, 
And I can tell you this, that after doing the service and talking with his family, this is one man that I really wish I would have known. Because this is a man that served people the entirety of his life. I mean, he was on the West End Fire Department. He was a firefighter for 36 years. Why? Because he cares about people. And, and from everything that I heard, this was a very humble person, you know, not prideful. Um, he went above and beyond to serve people. A lot of times he would go put out a fire and he would stay as the chief. He would stay until the fire was completely finished. Uh, from what I understand, that's pretty uncommon. I, I mean, I don't know. Uh, just what I picked up on in conversation, if you're a chief, I'm not trying to make you leave, you know, feel bad for leaving early, but this guy stayed. He stayed. And then it was told of him that he would oftentimes even go back and visit with the family that had experienced all of this loss um, afterwards. And so just a remarkable, remarkable human, human being. Um, you know, I think of, I think of uh, uh, Sean Rogers and, and just the way that he lives his life. And, um, and, and he is, he's all about serving. And I believe, I don't know, I haven't asked him, but I believe that the reason why he is the way he is is because of the great work that Jesus has done in his life. I believe that he would give all absolute honor and glory to God. But this is a guy that if you ask him to do something, even though it's the hard thing, if he can do it, he, he will be there, unless, unless of course, he's, he's got other, other things going on. But he's a person that you can, you can count on. I think of, of, of Courtney and Jake Larson. Um, I honestly, and I tell this to our team all the time, that Courtney and Jake have the most difficult job in the entirety of this church. But it's not difficult whenever it's your calling, and it certainly is her calling. She loves our children, and she does an incredible job with our children. But do you know, whenever it comes to Sean's funeral, and whenever it comes to Courtney's funeral, there are going to be droves of people that are going to show up to celebrate those lives lived because of the way they lived them. Living them to serve other people. I think of George Thompson. I can't even tell you how many people I have met in my 11, 12 years of being in this community that have told me about George and Nancy picking kids up in, in, in the big blue bus. And there are, there are, there are children that are, they were children there. They now have families with multiple children of their own. And I can just tell you, when George's funeral happens in this church, hopefully it'll be a long time away, but I'm just saying that there are going to be a lot of people and those stories are going to be told. I'm telling you, true joy doesn't come in the stuff that you are able to, to accumulate. It literally comes in the lives that you are able to invest in and to serve and to, and to change. And, uh, and there are so many other people. Jack, I don't even know how to say his name. Zarbininski. Is that right? Dr. Z. He went on a mission trip with us, and, and, uh, and we learned that Dr. Z's first name was Jack. And we started, every time we would get on the bus, we would have everybody on the bus saying, Back, 
Jack, do it again. And he would just big old smile. You'd have to know. You would have to know Jack. But you would, he would just be like, oh, my gosh. What but every time, over 100 times, I promise you, we were saying, back, Jack, do it again. I don't even know who sings that. Probably shouldn't be singing in church. But it's fit. It fit. But I'm telling you, this guy is one of the most incredible men that I have ever met in my, in my life. He, is a, he and his wife are servants of people. And I can promise you this, that wherever that funeral is, when it comes to the end of his life, there are going to be droves of people there. Do you know why? Because people have been served by him. They're going to come out and celebrate his life because of the impact that it made on there. Psalm 2 and verse 8, it says this, Ask of me and I will give you people. Goes on, it really says the nations as your inheritance, but the nations, it's not necessarily territory. It is, it is people. And so the big idea, somebody say the big idea. Those that are poor in spirit are the hap- and the happiest people on the planet are those people that understand that Jesus, I need you and my only hope is in you. Let me pray for you this morning. Lord, we thank you so much for today. I thank you, Lord, that as our worship team comes up and, and gets ready to, uh, to just, just play and we finish out the service with worship, I'm just asking you, God, that you would just be glorified. Lord, I pray right now for every single person that is here that we would understand, not to make anybody feel bad, but it's just the truth, that we have nothing to bring. All we can do is receive. And God, I pray that we would not be fooled in thinking that we are something special. We are special because of the value that you put on our life, but by ourselves, our righteousness is as filthy rags, the Bible says. God, help us that have everything to really understand what it means to be poor in spirit. I ask you, Lord, that you would just uh, make up the difference. Where I've come up short this morning, I ask that you would make up the difference. This morning, God, I ask for a blessing on every single family that is here. Every single person that's watching online, Lord, I pray that the word of God that has been spoken today and shared would be planted as a seed in the heart and it would change our attitude, would change our thinking, and it would cause us to take action and to live differently. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We exalt you. God, we need you. We are desperate for you. God, give us a revival whenever it comes to diving in your word, your written word, that we may know you better, be led by your spirit better. I pray these things today in Jesus' name. Everybody in the house said, amen. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. 
We'd also love for you to join us. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.